Welcome to the Dermatology Podcast, the official podcast of the European Academy of Dermatology and Venereology. I'm Christopher Horskamp. And I'm Cécile Mitoire. And we are your hosts. This week, EADV Education Committee member Dr. Paola Pasquale catches up with Professor Salvador Gonzalez on the subject of the development of reflectance confocal microscopy and what it means for the future and present of dermatology. We'll get into that in just a moment. But first... EADV Live is hosting a webcast update on non-invasive technique for melanoma and non-melanoma skin cancer with Associate Professor Katerina Longo on the 9th of June at 2 p.m. Central European Time. For more information on how to watch it live and even ask questions to the speaker, go to www.eadv.org under Education. And have you ever thought about being the editor-in-chief of a scientific journal? Well, this may be your chance. The EADV is creating a new open access sister journal to the JEADV called JEADV Clinical Practice. We'll fill you in with more information after today's interview. And now... Today, Dr. Paula Pasquale will be interviewing Professor Salvador Gonzalez about his knowledge and vast experience. Professor Salvador Gonzalez Rodriguez's research expertise is focused on oral photoprotection and reflectance confocal microscopy. He is currently a professor at the Alcala University in Madrid, Spain, and formally affiliated to the Dermatology Department at the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, and Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City, both in the United States. He's the founder and president and coordinator of the International Confocal Group. Let's see what they have to say. Well, hello, I'm Dr. Paola Pasquale, and today I'm with Dr. Salvador Gonzalez, an expert in confocal microscopy. Hello, Dr. Gonzalez. Hello, Dr. Pasquale. Thank you for having me here. We'll just start with the questions. And the first one that comes to my mind is that we are in a new dermatology world with lots of non-invasive imaging techniques that are becoming more and more essential in diagnosing skin conditions. Where does reflectance confocal microscopy stand in this scenario? That is true. In recent decades, Internet has changed with the development of imaging technique, which facilitate a lot of great help for clinical diagnosis. New imaging techniques include thermoscopy, confocal microscopy, optical coherent tomography, and also high-frequency ultrasound. All of them has architectural resolution, but confocal microscopy is the only one that has subcellular level resolution. It indicates that we can elucidate cells. Personally, I don't see myself evaluating a skin lesion without having dermoscopy in my hand or without evaluation by confocal microscopy. Confocal microscopy includes the specificity of dermoscopy uh, and give me the confidence when I uh, exclude or confirm a clinical diagnosis. So what, what, for what you're saying, each imaging technique, it's used to see a different part of the skin or a different element of the skin. Yes, 
that is correct. The most of the technique give you a, a resolution superior of 15 microns, then give you architectural resolution. And um, the moscopy, for example, increase the vascular compartment, amelanocytic compartment, but doesn't have cellular resolution. Confocal microscopy is the only one that reaching 250 micron below to the scatum cornum and give you a cellular resolution distinguishing between cells. Do you think that just as dermoscopy has become essential for skin examination in the past two decades, do you think this same scenario will happen with reflectant confocal microscopy? Definitely. I think so. I think that the future uh, with confocal microscopy is, is huge. Uh, you know, uh, with confocal microscopy, we can increase the uh, the sensitivity and also the specificity having it even greater than thermoscopy. So in which conditions do you use reflectant confocal microscopy? Okay, reflectant confocal microscopy can be applied to different clinical scenarios from inflammatory to tumoral lesions. Uh, besides the diagnosis, confocal microscopy can be used to determine a microscopical subtype of basal cell carcinoma and to choose the best management to monitor responses to treatment, particularly important in case of minimally invasive treatment of skin cancer, treatment uh, such as photodynamic therapy, or topical immunomodifiers, etc. To guide biopsies, reducing sampling error, like for example in heterogeneous lenticomaligna, mycosis fungoides, to detect clinically equivocal tumors, for example, nominalocytic tumors mimicking melanomas, to decipher collision from different tumors, to detect a melanotic variant of malignant melanoma, and also in inflammatory lesion to differentiate between different patterns on inflammatory lesion to help differentiating allergic from irritant contact dermatitis, or even to differentiate uh, psoriasis from seborrheic dermatitis from scalp. In regards to training and learning confocal microscopy, is it more difficult? Is it easier than learning dermoscopy or high-frequency ultrasound? The time to become skilled in confocal microscopy depends on the time that the clinician can devote to learning. It can take as little as six months if you read about 10 cases per week to practice. Either cases you personally image or through a training program. There are training programs available in Europe and the U.S., and we have many upcoming meetings. We have, in May, from 21st to 23rd, we have the World Congress of Confocal Microscopy, and this is going to be performed virtually from with more than 100 scientific lectures 
from speaker in over 22 countries. Of course, you can be skilled in the Moscopy sooner, but RCM has the advantage of higher specificity uh, it provides cellular resolution. I agree with you, and, and I was wondering if somebody is training dermatopathology, uh, if that training will make learning the learning curve easier than not having the, the training on dermatopathology. Anyone can learn confocal microscopy. I am sure it's easier for the dermatopathologists uh, than for the, the dermatologists. But anyone is able to learn confocal microscopy. We are in a period that it's impossible not to speak about COVID. And with this pandemia, we have found ourselves doing a new dermatology. And this dermatology includes a lot of imaging. Teledermatology has become an important part of the way we do dermatology nowadays. Do you think confocal microscopy images will become part of the teledermatology consultations at any near future? Yes. During the COVID pandemic, many clinicians are impatient, but, but many pathologists have been able to work remotely due to the assistance of digital pathology. Confocal microscopy has the same advantage. Images can be transferred over a secure private internet connection for remote interpretation and reporting by a remote expert reader. In fact, some dermatologists who also are experts in confocal read at the bedside, like is my case, while others only are trained in and confocal microscopy image caster, captures send them to a remote expert leader for interpretation that also can be within minutes, potentially while the patient waits. My answer is yes. Confocal microscopy will have a place in teledermatology. So the next step will be to have a portable confocal microscope, which I suppose that uh, will make the system available to everyone and at a low price. Can you speak about this possibility of having a portable confocal microscope? There are several groups working on portable confocal microscopes. Uh, and even uh, the group in Arizona leading by Duncan Kang, he already developed one portable confocal microscope that is attached to a smartphone. And he was able to, to test in Uganda. I see the miniaturized confocal microscope to be useful in non-melanocytic skin lesion. Uh, I have seen the, the images obtained um, uh, right now, and they are really good for basal cell carcinoma uh, and other, uh, other uh, non-melanocytic skin lesion. I don't see the portable confocal microscope 
to be used in melanocytic lesion. But uh, definitely the future in miniaturizing uh, confocal microscopy is already here. This definitely sounds very exciting because I, I think that in a very near future, we might end up having one equipment that includes all uh, all different uh, techniques of imaging. And, and maybe we'll just need one, one tiny equipment to attach to our mobiles and we'll be able to do everything. Do you think that it's possible? Okay, and definitely. This is a lot of, uh, uh, I think, engineers uh, working with us, uh, physician uh, dermatologists. Uh, it's a, a beautiful project, but can be done to have all the different devices uh, in the same, in the same uh, uh, hand apparatus, uh, let's say. So, Dr. Salvador, what do you think is the future of reflectant confocal microscopy? Okay, the future of confocal microscopy is huge and promising in different clinical settings, and even more so if confocal and its images meet the requirement of DICON and PACS as radiology does the images can be viewed, stored, and reported in many hospital systems. Uh, this is especially helpful for the ex vivo device uh, that is positioned for surgical pathology. The technology can be used in many different settings or, may, or many different types of tissues. For example, uh, not only skin, but also in breast, kidney, lung, and all types of tissue. And the images can be captured of fairly sized tissue without processing. And maybe and can be interpreted by a remote pathologist with confocal skill while the patient is still in the operating room. Salvador, the, the, the research you did was the one that allowed the FDA approval in the States. Clear. This work was done in, in the around nine, uh, 97 to 2000, and it was done when I started at Machina Hospital. And the work was done by me working with Milan Raya Diasa, that you know Paola Pasquale yeah. very well. Uh, and yeah, on patient mainly uh, with the basal carcinoma. Well, it has been very exciting to have you here, Dr. Salvador Gonzalez. And and I think that for everybody has been a great opportunity to hear you speak of confocal microscopy since you were the person whose research allowed the FDA clear of this equipment. And, uh, and I think we are all thankful for that and for having, most of all, for uh, having you here speaking with us today. Thank you, Dr. Salvador Gonzalez, again. Thank you very much. I'm back with Dr. Pasquale. Now, that was a very interesting discussion you had with Professor Gonzalez. What are some of the main takeaways you would like our listeners to get out of today's episode? We are getting into what I call the patient image 
I mean, patients are becoming more and more images and we need to learn, retrain ourselves to examine patients through images. We won't see patients in the future. We will see less and less patients and more and more images. So it seems that the images themselves are becoming something bigger than just a collection of pixels. I think the concept, you know, with images and and uh, we have the opportunity, there is a, an interesting, it's almost philosophical concept with imaging because when you image a patient using the different techniques, somehow you have the opportunity to give a testimony that it's objective. Objectivity is very important in science and imaging gives you that opportunity. Then you can go along the way and realize that eh, images might not be as objective as you want. For instance, in photography, different lights can give you different images. So it's not as objective. But still, uh, you can record the patient and, and this, it's unique. And, and people need to retrain themselves in learning how to interpret and diagnose and monitor diseases through images. And learning confocal is just one of the different uh, non-invasive imaging techniques. So basically, I think that that's the concept we have to live in and, 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 and the justification for interviewing somebody like Salvador who was he's considered the father of confocal microscopy. So like photographers can use the same photo, the same light, and then use different color filters to bring out the truth that they that they're looking for within their, their subjects and their work. It sounds like using different imaging techniques together can can bring the truth for a patient. Yeah, definitely. Uh just that I I just published a book on medical photography. Oh, wow. That's why it's like a field I, I love. To work on mm-hmm. yeah and and i had to read a lot on this concept of objectivity okay and how you standardize images confocal it's it's as an imaging technique also has its rule to standardize it that's why dr salvador mentioned about the dicom standards and all that because you need as all the rest of the techniques you need to standardize it so that we can all share this same, inf- you know, when you see the epidermis, we know that's the way it looks and we can standardize those images. Um, with photography, also there are certain rules you have to follow to make that image as standardized as possible and get the correct information. That was again, Dr. Paula Pasquale of the EADV Education Committee, who led a discussion today with Professor Salvador Gonzalez. Some of the research discussed today can be found in the JADV. Though you can find pre-access and open-access articles, EADV members benefit greatly by having access to all articles and content. Speaking of the journal, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we have some exciting news to share with you. The EADV invites nominations for the Editor-in-Chief of the JEADV Clinical Practice, a new peer-reviewed open access journal. It'll be a companion title to the JEADV featuring clinically oriented educational content as well as cutting edge research. The primary role of the editor in chief will be to ensure a successful launch and development of the journal. 
We are looking for someone with a clear vision for this publication who is an advocate and ambassador for open access publishing and open science. Full details, application criteria, and nomination procedure can be found on the EADV website. The deadline for submission of nominations, June 9th. We would like to send a special thank you to Dr. Paula Pasquale and to Professor Salvador Gonzalez Rodriguez for their interesting discussion. And a special thank you to you, all of our listeners. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, or otherwise find us on any major podcast provider. We appreciate you joining us and look forward to presenting more interviews, research, and other topics of merit. Until the next episode, take care of your skin.